and welcome to Tabletop and Beyond. We're your hosts today. I'm Justin, here with Dan, here with Warren. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to, uh, I had to stop myself from dancing, uh, hearing that intro for the first time. <laughs> yeah, normally yep. we don't have that on the show, right? Right. Normally you edit it in afterwards, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, no, Warren, the- welcome. You are uh, from the Dayton Wargaming Club. We have talked many times at Gen Con and Nova Open and everything like that, but this is your first time on the show, so welcome, welcome. Yep, Dayton War Cry Club. <clears throat> um, yeah, branching out a little bit into other things in 2023, but yeah, primarily focused on spreading the, the word of War Cry in the Dayton and Central Ohio area. Uh, you are super active in the Warcry Discord channel that all of us are a part of. Uh, you're known as War Machine in there, if I'm not mistaken. And yep, uh, I, I live on that Discord. <laughs> Andy's on the Facebook group. He's one of like the three helpful commenters that might comment on your Facebook post if you go in there. <laughs> very true. Uh, very true. In fact, when I first joined that Facebook group, uh, Warren was one of the few that would uh, regularly comment. So. Um, I'm glad to have you on the show. Like it's it's great to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. This is a really sweet setup you got. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Uh, for those listening to the podcast, I we are looking at each other. Uh, the hosts are because this is the first time that we're recording the Warcry episode as a live kind of video. I, I'm putting live in quotes because we're not technically live, but we're live with each other. And um, so, if you are interested in seeing our sexy mugs you can go to our youtube channel at tabletop you know youtube.com slash tabletop and beyond and you can see our uh youtube video that will be up right after we get done recording this so um if you want to see some visuals it's there but if you love listening to us you can still do that as well on the podcast feed so to each their own uh yeah so let's get it started uh warren what's on your hobby table my friend Oh, it's funny you ask that. So I'm working through the short-term goal is I want to, I, I all the stuff that's on sprue that I've accumulated in the last six months, yeah, get it all built. Okay. So I've been doing a combination of building. I got a bunch of Stormcast, a bunch of Iron Jaws, uh, terrain from the two Gur box sets, some kill team stuff I've, I've gotten done. There was, uh, what else? Uh, Blackstone Fortress, just, yeah, a whole lot of stuff. Um, the goal is get it all done, and then hopefully on a good day, hope if you get a nice day or even like a semi-warm day, go over to Zach's and then just, you know, use his garage and then prime it all, and then boom, I don't have great miniatures anymore. That's that's the goal, right? <laughs> the, the hardest thing, I, I enjoy the building part. Um, I spend way more time on it than, than I should. And just getting paint on miniatures, like that getting over that first step, I do everything in bulk, right? I don't do like one miniature at a time. I'm like assembly line, like, all right, let's do 50 things at a time. And so, <laughs> nice. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The, um, the funny thing is, is I like, I like building too. It's there's something very relaxing about it, you know, when you can just kind of just listen to something and, and go through it. So um, that's pretty nice. I have an airbrush, so I don't have to wait for a nice day to, uh, to prime, which, um, I think you have a lot worse days in Ohio than we do in Virginia. I think it's a little bit more mild temperate in Virginia. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, airbrush is something I was looking at getting into last year. Maybe this year's the year of airbrush. If I had it, I would show you my super sweet airbrush station. It's just a giant cardboard box that I just spray into. <laughs> you know? And I do have um, I do have this this respirator that I wear that I can't recommend enough because I've gotten way too many black boogers from uh, you know like priming, and I realized I'm breathing that in. I, and you know you can't really see it. You end up like seeing it later. So I wear the respirator and I spray into a cardboard box and I'm happy. It works for me. Yeah. You know, so a lot of the fun stuff about the building too, is kit bashing. So I like, I got mm. my custom storm cast. Mm. I have a whole lot of corn bits. And so I'm like kit bashing dudes together with spare parts from corn bits. Cause I have extra axes and stuff like that. And so that's, that's part of what I'm doing too. Right. In addition to all the gray plastic on sprue, I have just like bunches of bits I've picked up for various projects. I'm like, okay, time to pull the trigger on these projects. Yeah, I mean, you, we all know that gray plastic miniatures, when you play with them, like they don't roll, they don't roll well. Like your diets are terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just it, terrible. So the other day when I was playing the Hunters of Huan Chi um, to test them out for this this uh, episode, I actually primed them and I gave them a base coat of blue, so they at least had that so that I could do my very best in testing them out. <laughs> I don't know that it helped much, but <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Dan, how's your hobby table? So I have been furiously painting terrain because I am hosting a tournament uh, in just two weeks where I don't have enough boards yet. I've committed to bringing four boards and I right now have three um, but the reason I have three as opposed to two is because I've been just going all in painting uh, all of the new the new stuff from uh, the Sundered Fate box. After like that, bamboo. Your green oh, bamboo thank really you. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like this piece. Um, all of them are really beautiful. There's not enough of them. I was talking with Justin before the show. I uh, put two Sylvaneth trees in there. And once you add a couple Sylvaneth trees, they're pretty much on theme and um, they finally fill out the board enough that you feel like you're playing on a real Warcry board. But on its own, I don't think it's quite enough. Uh, but the pieces are beautiful enough that that I don't really care that it's not enough. I mean, they, they just look so good. I, I love them. Um, next, I have to catch up on that Red Harvest terrain that I chickened out on. Uh, all of the like the bobsled tracks, all of the trim on the mining equipment. Because the only thing I built was like the four inch tall scaffolding towers with the sorry, I built all of it. The only thing I painted up fully was the four inch tall towers with the bridges yeah. across them. So I'm having to catch up on my red harvest and uh, finally finish my full backlog of terrain. Dude, that banded metal on all of that terrain made me want to like gouge somebody's eyes out with my paintbrush. <laughs> Maybe my own, but um, <laughs> like it's just like after a while, you're like, I just can't do it. And it made me realize that I never want to play Chaos Space Marines. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. They're mm -hmm. all banded metal. <laughs> and I love the look of Chaos Space Marines, of uh, Blood Warriors, mm -hmm. of Slaves to Darkness in Warcry. And I just can't. I've I've painted three quarters of a group of ten blood blood warriors. I don't think I'll ever finish them completely unless I decide to take them to a tournament. Uh, if it's just on my own devices, I'm going to leave them three quarters painted. 
because all that trim is just brutal. So one of the things that I learned, especially with like corn and stuff like that, is I said, I'm going to, because I have the airbrush, right? I'm going to airbrush all the metal and then go over and paint the other stuff because mm -hmm. trying to paint all those little tiny metal bits, like after you've done like a nice, like red paint job or whatever is so time consuming, so time consuming. <laughs> yeah, Whereas yeah. like you can paint some of the big flat <laughs> stuff, even around the metal a little bit more quickly. Is the so. problem that it requires two coats to get out, to go over like a red no. or is it just like the fact that it's just, so much tiny little filigree. It's just so much tiny little filigree, mm -hmm. you know, and See, it's very detailed. Yeah. See, I don't mind that necessarily. Um, the, the small bit of red harvest I've, I've painted for test pieces. I had a good time with now on mm -hmm. a large scale. I'm not sure. I'm just, I mine's about the same condition that Dan's is in. Ah. It's all primed, but <laughs> yeah. there's a whole lot of filigree and that some stuff is still actually still apart. Cause I'm going to do sub assemblies, but that's mm -hmm. yeah. But that's on the, you know, potential project too the way i like to paint i don't mind going over an area with like five different times with the brush as long as none of those times have to be super precise i hate having to be perfectly precise which is my main issue so something like like these wings you know i'll do multiple different coats of contrast or like some some various dry brushing and i'll go back and forth over and over and over with different levels of transparency and then yeah. you know opaque dry brushing but as soon as if i make a mistake i'll look dumb as soon as that happens i'm i'm out i don't like it anymore <laughs> <laughs> i just want uh lots of low stress painting is what i'm interested in that's all terrain is is low stress that's, yeah yeah that's, that's, that's like. my zen thing like if it turns out good great and people notice it but no one cares if the train looks bad it's the it's the third it's the third different actor right you know yeah, you have yeah. the two different war bands but then you know the terrain also sort of matters you don't want it to overshadow the war bands but right it's terrain can make things super immersive absolutely right? yeah but it can also pull you out of that immersion as well um, the other night we were playing with my starter set that I have not finished painting. Like I needed to paint all the metal on there. And I had that compared to a board of all of my heart of Ger box that's completely painted. And, you know, the people are like, oh man, that board looks amazing. This one, not so much. That one looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. We might have a favorite board vote and, uh, there's a guy coming up from Madison who has a like fully customized swamp board, and then a buddy oh, of mine wow. named JJ has this incredible um, sort of dungeon board that's on two levels that he 3D that printed one, himself. Yeah. yeah, just incredible stuff. And my boards are not going to be that pretty. They are going to be kind of put together to be very symmetrical for sort of competitive reasons, but uh -huh. I don't want to be like blown out of the water too bad for <laughs> best board votes <laughs> that's funny that's funny well um my hobby table i was working on the hunters of Huan Chi. i want i you know i had a goal of trying this month to get both war bands painted up i i've got the schemes i want to go with them um i'm excited for it however i realized that i need to settle in on a, an adepticon list and i'm not sure that i have like decided what I want to play. 
I'm the guy that in our gaming group will play any different kind of warband just to give other people experience, right? So if somebody's mm-hmm. playing, like, I'll, sure, I'll play Nihon. I don't care. I'll play Oryx. I don't care. I'll play this. And now I'm sitting here going, like, well, what do I want to play? <laughs> you know? And I, like, yeah. have to kind of settle in on a list. And Dan saw me messing around with some list stuff, list ideas today. And, uh, you know, with some uh, oath, oath, um, dark, dark oath savages. Yeah, and he told me I'm an idiot with it, but that's okay. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and Warren, you saw the list too. I posted it in our chat, and you were giving me some tips as well. So, um, yeah. But anyway, so my hobby table, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. But I do have this bad boy that does probably need to get painted. The the terror of all the lands, the Chimera. That, uh, and this is a GW Chimera. I know they're kind of hard to find right now, but um, I was telling Dan that I picked up that GW Chimera when the Monsters and Mist Mercenaries book came out. Like way back in, what was that, 2020, I think is when that book came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, um, uh, it, it, it's been sitting on my shelf for a very long time and it needs to get painted because I think I need to bring a filthy list to the Adepticon tournament. You know, a more friendly list for the um, more friendly list for the uh, uh, narrative. I'm really excited for the narrative tournament, too, by the way. I mean, I'm excited for both, but we can talk about narrative list building a little bit later on in the show, too. I think we'll probably spend most of it towards competitive list building, but yeah, I've got some ideas. I think we totally should. We totally should. Uh, Well, let's move on to the news. Do we have any relevant news that we want to talk about today? All the Adepticon stuff, I'm, I, I guess, right? <laughs> well, if yeah. you haven't signed up, if you haven't signed up for too bad, right? Adepticon, it's probably too late by now. <laughs> Get on the wait yeah. list and pray. Yeah. Why don't you guys? Uh, why don't you guys walk me through real quick? Um, like I missed, I missed the sign up on Sunday, and I ended up getting on the wait list. But um, I'm really impressed with how, um, how like fast things got signed up for it at Adepticon. It wasn't just Warcry, but like all the painting seminars were gone in like half an hour, you know, like a, a lot of the other wow. things were like um, picked up pretty quick. There's some like bigger event tickets that are going on. Um, but uh, yeah. So why don't you get, why don't you guys walk up with that real quick while you're talking, I need to take my dog out. So, so you guys talk about an hour and a half after the one o'clock opening, uh, a buddy of mine texted me like, so what did you decide to, to do? Um, or what did you decide to sign up for? And I was like, Oh wow. I, I completely forgot. I guess I should go do that. And by the time I get there, there's four spots left for the narrative event. There's uh, I think six spots left at that time. So I just sign up and just start, you know, <laughs> blasting a few people and just commenting in the Warcry Discord. Like, I can't believe how fast this is going. Um, and then it turned out you hadn't signed up either, right? So, nope. <clears throat> yeah, I'm glad because you, you got off, off the wait list. Yeah, I was right? probably mm-hmm. one of the first people on the wait list because it was right okay. after you had mentioned it. And I was shocked how, how fast it uh, filled up, too. Um, expect there to be some lag in the wait list kind of working mm-hmm. through. Uh, the way that works is if you're on the wait list and then your, your number comes up, you get a link to say, or you can take the, you can take it then, or you can wait up to five days. So there might be 
a little bit of lag. I just jumped on it. I was already signed up for Adepticon and just, you know, <clears throat> yep. Normally I'm normally I wait to the last minute to sign up for things because stuff happens. Uh, the Adepticon was a fairly last minute um, event for me last year. But yeah, in this case, yeah, you got to, you got to lay in your plans early. And I'm excited about numbers because last year, I think there were 24 players in the narrative and then 26 total in the two competitive competitive events, one after the other. I think it was 14 and then 12, eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of drops and no shows on Sunday. I, I saw Right, right. And I think that's true of Sunday events in general. I think a lot of people get tired and want to go home. Um, but this time, both events are much larger and sold out immediately, mm-hmm. which is just beautiful to see as far as interest in the in the game. And it just seems like the community in general has grown a little bit. And like, not just the Warcry community, but the gaming community or the wargaming community in general. Uh, tough to like verify that exactly with numbers, but definitely seemed like for this event, there were more folks. It gives me hope that like when it comes around to the Nova open, which um, I'll be running again this year, um, that we get more numbers, right? Like, cause we got, you know, 30 sold out super fast and I'd love to see 30, 32. I'm planning 32. Right. And um, I think it's interesting that they had 30, not 32. Like 32 is such a nice round number for a tournament. Oh, no, they have, you mean 40 runs. for the 40 for the competitive and the narrative? Did they turn it into 40? It, it was always, yeah, for. for oh, I thought it was only 30 tickets. No, uh, I think competitive is 30 and narrative is 40. Ah, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so, like, but 32, you can do five rounds and have one winner with 32 mm-hmm. players. Right. You know, um, now five rounds is kind of a lot for some people, right? In one day, but uh, we we'd been kicking around the idea that if we get thirty two players at the Nova Open, that we'll do four rounds and then kind of a championship match mm-hmm. between the top two for for the last one, and people can get a drink and watch and cheer on and jeer and throw peanuts and all that stuff. You know, <laughs> that'd that, be uh, cool. Yeah, the I think it'd game, be cool. Yeah, the final game at the top table is usually the one with the most the most sweat. The most oh, yeah, analysis, sure. right? Yeah, watching, yep. watching Dan and Justin at uh last fall, mm-hmm. yeah, at Nova Open. And I mean, it kind of it was funny, it worked out that way because I think I don't know what happened, but I think you guys got started just a little bit later, Dan, um, and some yep. other folks. I, I don't know if you guys were talking or whatever, which is, I mean, it was totally fine, we had the time, right? Yeah, um, but it worked out so that other people finished up and then we all just kind of congregated. And man, I was sweating and I wasn't even playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> my poor dwarves just missing over and over like getting one five out of four dice and being like okay that's one out of the 16 that i need to take this moon clan boss down we gotta <laughs> gotta keep going do you um do you guys think that um the the fact that adepticon sold out so quickly do you think that this is kind of saying something about the state of Warcry um, right now, going heading into 2023? I think it's a rebound for Adepticon because okay. even though they had Adepticon last year, there was still mask and, mask and vaccine mandates, et cetera. And so this yeah. is like the first full year post-pandemic. So you're seeing these, you're seeing for all these events, you're seeing the bounce back starting to happen. So I think it's 
probably some of that, maybe some yeah. of the new version. I, I 100% agree. I, I thought that this was a bounce back, not just for Warcry, but Adepticon. I'm like, I, I'm looking across the board. I'm like, wow, Adepticon is back and people really want to go. They've missed it for the last, the last two or three years, something like that. And, and now they really, really want to go do that. So, um, which is wild yeah. to me because last year's Adepticon was my first big convention and I was blown away at how big it was. So if it's, going to be yeah. you know 50 percent bigger this year i don't know what to do with myself that's <laughs> that's too much yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty wild you know i think i think being able to have events like the nova open last year even though there was the mask mandates and things like that and it wasn't as big as it had been um it showed that like hey people will still come out and we're kind of all like slowly emerging from the pandemic and saying like okay like we sort of learned to live with this and you know we 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 know that uh if, if something happens it's you know not probably not as bad as a, as as we thought it was going to be like in you know 2021 or 2020 and you know with the with all the vaccines and all that stuff that um yeah we're just moving forward life is starting to continue on again right and i think nova yeah. open helped show that having big events could still happen so here we are at adepticon right so, so yep. we talked about the competitive on Thursday and the narrative on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, wh what's going on on Saturday and Sunday? Because my fallback plan, I know that there was a couple demos set up with smaller numbers. I think JJ was involved in one or both. Yeah, um, there's two learn to play demos. I don't have the link in front of me, unfortunately. But yeah, but they were but they were small. They were full up. Mm -hmm. But my my fallback plan Saturday, I'm going to be in that area. I'll have my own boards and, and minis and stuff like that. And my whole plan is I'm just going to jam Warcry with, with whoever that day. So even if you're not in that event on Saturday, stop on by the Warcry area, assuming we can get the space, right? Yeah. But yeah, um, stop on by the Warcry area, just open, pick up games of Warcry. Uh, and that'll be especially great if we, because we're doing 30 players, four rounds for the competitive. So there will not be a definitive champion. We will have, uh, we'll probably have two undefeated players, unless it ends up working out like uh, Warhammer World did, where everyone except for one person gets a bunch of draws. Right. And then, you know, right. it's, it's the person who didn't get any draws who ends up winning. Um, but otherwise, you know, the most likely outcome is there's at least two undefeated players. And if we could get those two players playing in your on your Warcry board, Warren, on Saturday for kind of the not the championship, but the bragging the unofficial champion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be cool. That'd be very cool. Yeah. So I'm excited. I have I've never been to Adepticon. So I'm I'm I mean, it's kind of the premier wargaming event and i mean it's bigger than nova open it's bigger than a lot of the other ones lvo and all that so it'll be interesting to see how it goes i'm excited yeah, last year was my first year um i've been to gen con multiple times before and that mm -hmm. blows everything out of the water but mm -hmm. my first time going to a strictly miniature game focused event which was mm -hmm. super cool is Gen Con really that huge? It's like much, much bigger than all these minis. Ones. Oh, it's since like 50, 60,000 people. Oh, wow. Except the entire Indiana Convention Center. My, it was my first year going back last year in quite a while. They've spilled out and they feel there's a tunnel that goes underneath and they've actually, they're, they're in the adjoining 
hotels connected by Skyway and also in the Lucas Oil Arena. Yeah. You, you play on the field. Wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. They've expanded okay. out that much. Yeah. Wow. And and when and when Warren says oh, all the hotels, you're talking like the Hilton, the JW Marriott, the Renaissance Hotel, like all of them have three levels of ballrooms and like humongous ballrooms. Yep. And they're just table to table to table, you know, wow. in these rooms and little yep. breakout rooms that are done and like little tiny, you know, alcoves that are, people are playing in. And I mean, there's like, yeah, 50 to 60,000. And I think that's even low. When I went for the 50th anniversary of Gen Con, they said over the weekend, 125,000 people showed up. Now, that wasn't Uh-oh. like continuous, but it was like, you know, there's some guests, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. There was a lot that, and it was, that was wild. So, um, but there's a lot of different offerings there too, right? It's not just miniatures and Yeah, it's everything and under the sun. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, it's pretty good. All right. Well, cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to Adepticon. I know you guys are, it's coming up. It's just, uh, what, two, two and a half months. Um, Dan, we are going to have a huzzah event tournament here as an Adepticon prep. And someone said, we need to do it so Dan can have his stats before he, uh, we go to Adepticon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we're planning to do an Adepticon prep, at least one, maybe two. We'll see how it goes. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. All right. Well, um, let's talk about our faction focus here, which is the Hunters of Huan Chi. And I've got this cool little I, I nice. a little photo of the um, lineup of these chameleon skinks. Um, this is obviously an order war band that we have with these hunters. They are Seraphon, um, kind of like the... Um, Canite uh, shadow stalkers are to daughters of Cain. These hunters of Huan Chi are the you know war band for the Seraphon. And as you can see, if you are watching the show, there are a lot of little chameleons on here. There's not a lot of variety. A lot of little chameleons, and there's uh, two terror wings, which are essentially the um, the flyers, right? The kind of the pterodactyl pteranodon type um, things that we have there. So, um, now, yeah, Justin, I've got a surprise for you. I'm going to pull me and Warren are going to interview you because oh, okay. you are the one who has actually played the hunters. Yep. And I've heard through the grapevine that you might have some opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I so, might have some strong opinions about these guys. Yeah. So let's start with just kind of the overall games you played. How did the overall games go? Before we get into individuals. So I played two games. Um, The first game was, um, let me see if I have the card. I I probably don't have it here with me. It was, um, it was out of the, uh, out of the Sundered Fate box uh, for the victory conditions. And it was um, uh, Mark of the Hunted or Hunter. Oh no, the most dangerous, the most dangerous game. Um, okay. is what it was called. And what that does is at the beginning of each round, you choose a fighter to be um, marked as uh, hunted. Okay. And it, at That's each right. round, you choose another one. So by round four, you should have chosen four. Now, if you kill one, you get a victory point. If the, and sorry, the, um, I will choose an opponent's fighter to be, uh, marked person right like they you don't choose your own 
your opponent chooses like the one that that they mark as the as the hunted. And mm -hmm. so you get one point for killing a hunted model. You get two points if it um, was the leader, and you get three points if it had the most wounds um, on the battlefield, like of all the war bands. Okay, okay. so um, you 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 can do that. I was playing against uh, Casey Van Camp, who's in our uh, Tabletop and Beyond Discord. He's kind of a local guy here. He's playing Corvus Cabal with a Orgoroid Myrmidon and a Fulmeroid Crusher ally. So, oh, cool. um, that sounds yeah, fun. It was it was actually a pretty pretty decent list. Uh, I think a narrative list is like awesome, right? I don't I don't know if it's gonna fight monsters that well in a in a competitive list, but narrative. Like, that's a it's great it's a, it's a great thing um he um he had the uh um what's what's the guy's name with the big wings the big fly strike talent the strike talent oh, he had yeah. the strike talent and he yeah he had a bunch of other kind of little guys as well um so i had the skinks and we each chose it now the problem with this mission was is that you had to stay within you had to stay inside of four inches of the board edge or else at the end of the round you'd be taken down right mm -hmm. uh we also rolled a twist card and we're playing on a board that had some pretty good terrain on it we rolled a twist card that at the end of each round if you were three inches within a terrain piece you took one damage automatically <laughs> no matter what okay all right is that a problem for his army? Not really. The Ogroids got 30 wounds. The former Crusher's got like 35. Um, you know, his other ones have maybe 12 and 20, you know, respectively for small guys and big, big guy. My leader has 12 wounds and all <laughs> no. of my other guys have eight. Eight, eight wounds. So, <laughs> so four the rounds. Matters. <laughs> yeah. Four rounds. I'm losing half of their half of their life each round. You know, it, even if they hide somewhere and, and they're just hiding, right? Um, and here's the problem. I have to kill things in this, right? So <laughs> that's that's the that's the problem. Oh. I, I think if you just have to evade, you yes. can play dicey and cagey. It's one of those agile, yep. slippery, literally slippery slippery war bands like night hundred yep. percent right? <laughs> where you can you can get away with not being killed. But yeah. you have no killing power yourself. So here's the thing, right? The blowpipes, the chameleon skink, you can see on our screen right here, the chameleon skink with dark dart pipe. Yep. Here's their sweet stats that I was trying to kill things <laughs> with, right? <laughs> it has a, a ranged attack of six inches, up to six inches, right? Zero to six. Two attacks, strength one. <laughs> strength one. And one and two damage, two for a critical hit. So it didn't matter what I was fighting. I was fives and six every time. Five ups, five ups, five ups, rolling two dice because I had to move to keep these guys alive. And so then I would get one shot off. I get two dice, whiff, two dice, whiff, two dice, whiff. Even on the smallest guy he had that had like eight wounds or 12 wounds or whatever, I yep. could not kill the guy. Because these these low pipes, like I'm just whiffing on everything, like five ups, and you know, even if I got one five, all right, cool, take one damage. You know, didn't you say so, that you ended up winning this one? How did you pull it off? I did win this one. <laughs> so, so 
<laughs> so um, I will I will fully admit that I won this one because of a mental error from my opponent who didn't read the win conditions correctly. He thought that you just got two points for killing a leader, not that you had to mark the leader and then kill it, right? Mm-hmm. So what he ended up doing is he took the gamble of moving the Fulmeroid Crusher into a point where he would kill my leader, but it would take him down at the end of the game. Right. And well, I had because, of, um, because of the boundaries. Yeah. Because of the boundaries. Right. And I had oh. positioned my leader there to protect him, you know, so that I knew that if his Fulmeroid came after me, that he would get stuck there and get taken down. But he thought, Oh, I'm going to get two points. Sure. You'll get three from me, but I'm ahead by three already. Do you know what I mean? And so, um, uh, he, but he didn't get any points for killing my leader because he wasn't marked. And, Wait, so um, was that was this your only kill? Was the no, mission I killed, conditions I killed? killed? Oh, no. okay. Okay, so so I, I will say this: I killed two of his other players. Okay, all right, the little eight wound okay. guys. Now, how did I do that? I did that with, and I'm going to show this ability here, um, and you can see it right here. I did it with the call of the hunt. Right here, it's a triple. It's okay. pick a friendly fighter with the Hunters of Huan Chi and Beast Rune Marks within nine inches of this fighter. That fighter makes a bonus move action. So you basically have to pick a Terror Wing, right? Because mm-hmm. they're the only ones that have the Beast Rune Mark. You pick a Terror Wing that's within nine inches oh. of the dude who has the horn. And he basically makes a kamikaze dive bomb at someone. And he makes a bonus move and tags somebody. And he takes the damage that was on the dice as the ability. It's a combination. So it's a combination yeah. triple for a free move and the charge yeah. ability you get on trampling hooves or whatever. Rolled yeah. into but you don't one. have to roll the dice that you normally do for like an impact damage. You just take the value of the dice. Well, all, yeah, all of the charge abilities say that it's, it's right. a, they're yeah. all, they're all a triple. And it's just, if you move into somebody, it's a damage equal to the value of the triple. Right. But right. I did not know that it was tied that that damage was tied to that. Okay, so it's more than just a triple for a free move. Okay, that's yeah. It's not. This is this is one of the best. Nice. This is one of the best that's abilities, not, right? No, that's not terrible at all. No, yeah. the problem is this. The only one that can use it is this dude right here on the right, the Chameleon Skink Hornblower with the Moonstone Club. He's the only guy that can use that. Okay, okay. so you have to make sure that your Terror Wings, you have three of them, mm-hmm. are within nine inches of him. And then within like 10 inch, now they have a 10 inch move, so they can pretty much get to like a lot of different things, right? But you have to one, have a triple, two, those terror wings have to be nine inches within him. Now, what happens a lot of times is that terror wing will be eight inches away, and you'll command him to go do that, and he'll go nine inches and go dive bomb. Now he's 17 inches away. And to get him back within nine inches, you have to either move him back first or move the other guy or, you know, to try to do that combo again of of doing it. And so you had to pick your activations very carefully to be able to reactivate those terror wings. And there was a lot of times that I ended up disengaging the terror wing, moving them back closer to the guy just so that he could do this ability again later after they had activated. Right. So. so- so yeah, this makes there's me. Something, there's something there. There's some meme potential yeah. there with the toot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you played a second game with them, right? Um, yeah. How'd the second game go? So the second game, um, the second game. I'm, uh, let me think of what the win condition was for that one. 
Um, oh, this was a, we actually played the game that uh, was featured on the Warcry Battle Report on Warhammer Plus. So um, the win condition for this was that you got a victory point if in that battle round you had either wounded or killed the most fighters on the field. So it was one damage okay. on a fighter or kill them. And that would count as, you know, you count up kind of your, we call them our meta points, right? Mm-hmm. And then whoever had the most got the victory point for that round. Okay. So okay. I was playing Jason and his kind of slaves to darkness list that he was running. Um, the deployment on this one did not help me out very much. We were kind of deployed on the far ends of the board. So for me to get to him, and I had to play a lot more cagey because I just didn't have the wounds, right? That he does. And right. I had to play very cagey. So, but for, I couldn't move up too far or else he had a doom night and um, a chaos night that could just come up and just boop, boop, and just kind of tag my guys really quickly. And all they had to do was one wound. They didn't even have to kill my guys. Right. So I had to be very careful. Now um, I had 13 guys on the table, so I kind of won the activation war, but Jason did a really good job of, um waiting like you don't see people use the wait action very often but he would use the wait action to force my guys to do something and then he would be able to move his guys up a little bit closer without me getting in my range um so he did a really good job kind of managing that activation war um but it was nice i will say it was nice having the skinks have so many activations because you had options um, mm-hmm. The problem was, and I tried to use this ability so many times. So it says right here on the card, their reaction is slippery. The fighter can make this reaction after they have been allocated damage points by a melee attack action. This fighter makes a disengage action. So basically, after they get hit once, they can get the heck out of dodge, right, and prevent mm-hmm. like the second a uh, second attack happening. My skinks never lived to the second attack. <laughs> <laughs> Like ever. Oh, okay. That's the problem. So yeah, it was and even his small guys. So I will I will say this. It was kind of funny. A couple of times he would attack. Um, and he did a really good job of, of finding my guys that had moved and moving in and attacking guys. So I couldn't use that reaction as well. I mean, Jason's an experienced player, so he kind of knew what he was doing with yeah. that, right? So he would come in and he would attack my guys that didn't have any reactions left. And his guys, we figured out that they do about seven points of damage a turn. And it happened very regularly, seven points of damage. And they had eight points of damage, you know, so um, they would walk away with one wound. But it only took like two rounds. And I was in a world of hurt um, with that, just because like even even with me trying to play very cagey, he just kind of pushed up the board. And with his like he had seven bodies himself. So he was able to just kind of corner me um, and make it difficult for my skinks to get away, you know, so without getting tagged a lot. So it was a little, it was a little bit trickier, Um, but yeah, so I lost that one. Um, That one wasn't nearly as close as the first one. I should have lost the first one. I should have lost both of them. I mean, I did lose the second one, but should have lost the first one as well. If not for the error, right. The mental error, but yeah. All right. So 
do you think it's worth going through each of these uh, fighter categories to kind of talk about them individually, or do you want to just kind of paint with a broad brush through some of them? Um, I can paint with a broad brush, right? So we talked about the Hornblower Skink. Um, his best He's utility. Cool. I agree with Warren. There yeah. might be something. There might be something fun there. Are there any? Are there any Beast Rune Mark potential allies in order? It's I don't gotta, think there. Are, it's got to be Hunter's Huanti with the Beast. It has to have that combination. So it's only yeah. the Terra Wings. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really be, a yeah, shame. Yeah. Otherwise, okay. otherwise you'd be like Griffhound, go. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or uh, Aether Wing. Um, Although even then, the Hornblower isn't. The leader, so you can't ally the Hornblower into other warbands, which is really too bad. Because um, I agree with you, Warren. Otherwise, I would love to put this with Griffhounds in in particular. Um, yeah, they oh well, made they bad. made this. Um, they made it only for the Terror Wing. So that skink that skink Hornblower with the Terror Wing is the best combo that they had, mm-hmm. right? Um, which, which is pretty good. Um, the Alpha, the the leader. Um, he wasn't bad in terms of like compared to the other skinks, <laughs> like, but, but he's bad in general, right? Like, I would points, never... Yeah. 90 points, 12 wounds isn't bad. <clears throat> yeah. 90 points, 12 wounds. He has four attacks. Whereas your normal, your normal melee guy has, um, I'm, I'm looking it up real quick. Sorry. Your normal melee guy has um three attacks so he's got an extra attack compared to your normal melee um toughness three one three damage right so they're on par i i honestly i think 70 points i mean it's because they have movement six we all know gw's algorithm is 100 like primarily based on movement second is based on toughness right so um so i think 70 points is over costed for these guys i hate to say that i mean the six movement is nice but it's not like they can fly. Well, if you you're going to give them a, if you're going to give them a discount, can you have them give them to Skaven too, please? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously. So, so uh, what do yeah, you so think? Sorry. So what do you think about the guy with the helmet? Because yeah, I was going to uh, ask the same thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm, when this guy came out, I was pretty convinced that you could make a pretty reasonable warband if you could convert up a bunch of him. And I've heard yeah. of a few different people giving that a try. I've heard folks doing it using the. Blood Bowl kit. I've heard of folks doing it using the yeah. uh, GW Skulls box that you can buy. Apparently, I've I've never heard of this. I, I should go so, on the website. And check oh, it. it's it's amazing. Is yeah. it really? It's a box of two hundred and forty skulls. Or yeah, it's ridiculous. It's the most GW thing ever. Oh yeah, I've got that. Box. <laughs> Are they a variety of skulls? What's yes, a variety of. Oh, I'm sorry, three hundred and forty skulls. Oh, yeah. now I'm looking 82 at human it. skulls with jawbones, 86 human skulls without jawbones, 15 yeah. human jawbones, 60 assorted damaged human skulls, two giants, yeah. one Borghast, one beast, etc. etc. Oh. They've got like demon skulls, like I I okay. got it, skulls, I think, gene yeah. stealers. Yeah. I ended up picking okay. up that box for like $20 on Amazon, I think, at one point, and it, it was totally worth it. Oh, they've got they have so many skulls. They've got six blood letter skulls. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So like, yeah. So like, okay. what's Warhammer without skulls, right? Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. This guy's seventy five points. So he's only he's only like five more points than your normal um melee guy. You know, mm-hmm. like with the with the bolas and stuff like. That. Oh no, sorry. The bolas are ninety points. So he's cheaper. 
So yep. it gets cheaper. But here's the deal. The Bola guys have four attacks. The dude with the helmet and the and the spears or the javelins, he has a range of eight, zero to eight. So it's a ranged weapon. And he only has two attacks, strength three, one, four damage. So I don't know. I mean, like. Yeah, two they attacks. Have the same... Yeah, two attacks yeah. is a little sus. Um, and it's the, ranged too, so right, like you, you right. can't you, you can, throw into right, combat, can, right? Yeah, you can play around it if you're really concerned about it. This this army to me is a super finesse army. Like you have to know what you're doing in Warcry to be able to play this army. Um, the one one ability that we didn't talk about that the melee guys have um, are it's a triple. It's called hurled bolas. I actually like this ability a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, for what it does i don't know that i love it for its mechanics as much but it says pick a visible enemy fighter within eight inches of this fighter and roll a number of dice equal to the value of this ability if one of the dice scores a six that fighter makes one fewer actions in that battle round if a fighter is reduced to zero actions in this way he cannot be activated in the battle round so you can i i was thinking these guys actually like are not bad against monsters Think about it. Like if you if you have this guy with the, the hurled bolas and you have a six, you're rolling it. Like you could get one or two, maybe three if you're lucky. Sixes. I'm you know not a hundred percent certain. This question came up, I think, when they came out, and I don't think we ever came to an agreement on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you get multiple sixes. If you get one fewer action for every six that you roll, it's not a hundred percent clear. The way I'm reading it, you only take away one action. Yep. For if, if you eight. get one six, you get yeah. you get take away an action. Multiple sixes do not stack up on the same. That's one. interesting because I read it the That's... other way. I said if I read it, if, if if one of them scores it, it takes away one, and if they get reduced down to zero, then they they don't activate. So oh, interesting. Okay, um, we definitely need an FAQ on this. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, they... for sure. They wrote it months ago, and then mm-hmm. it's just not come you through could, you, Warcom. <laughs> right. Okay. You could, the wording would be, if one of the dice scores a six, that fighter makes a one fewer action in this battle round for each six rolled. You would add that verbiage to make it clear. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. But I could absolutely see what you guys are saying. And, I, I mean, I read it one way, obviously. And so, I mean, I played it where I rolled mul- – I didn't roll multiple sixes, but I rolled at least one and kept the – um. I kept the Fulmeroid Crusher down to one action at one point, it which was nice. Effective. Was that like it was effective because he would have totally crushed one of my dudes. However, I tried to do it again later on Wift, and so sure. I'm like, was that worth the triple versus the Bellow of the Carnosaur mm. that is some guaranteed damage that I can do? Yeah. You know, so uh, any time that you have to roll for an ability, and especially when you you have to roll like a six, that's only a 17% chance that you're going to get it, you mm-hmm. know, 16.5 technically or something like that um, percent chance that you're going to get a six. Like that's not great odds in your favor. Right. And you think, Oh, if I roll more sixes, I got greater chance. Well, they're all independent. Right. So <laughs> it, it winds up. Yeah. Eight, eight hand did the math. Cause he did a little deep dive on them from a uh, mm-hmm. uh, off minute musings. Cause because he was the ones theory crafting this too. It's, I think uh-huh. your odds go to slightly more than 50% yeah. of hitting uh, yep. with, with six rolls of, with triple six. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so he, 
I, I mean, I like that ability. Like again, I like it for what it does. I don't. I'm not in love with the mechanics. If we're a five or a six, no. So now here's the interesting thing: if they made it so you could only reduce it down to one action, then I feel like they need to make it a five or a six to make it worth it. If it could be multiple actions, keep it at a six. Do you know what I mean? Like if you if you reduce multiple actions, then you it has to be a six because you could roll four or five or whatever it is but mm-hmm. if it's only reducing one action i think you make it a five or a six for a triple a triple is important yeah. you know i think if it's guaranteed to work though then this triple becomes too good um, yeah but a five or six is not guaranteed though i mean i think if you well, get if it on a five or six, yeah, yeah if you're rolling five or six dice it's a really high success rate that is correct yeah that's good correction point. i double checked i double checked his math so he uh uh, he states 67% chance with trip six to get at least one six. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shout out to so all meta musings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great for channel. the record guys, I failed probabilities class, like, and or the pro- probabilities portion of my statistics class. So all of my percentages, when I'm thinking about it, like it's, it don't, don't trust me on it. Don't trust me on it. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, they I, I use the Envenom weapons with the blowpipe guys at one point where you add one to the damage points by mm-hmm. each hit and critical hit. I used that on a couple of occasions because I needed to try to take down a fighter for that first thing that I was doing, you know, for yeah. the victory point. Um, I don't love it, though, because, I mean, it's like you have to roll a five or a six to even hit. And then when you do, it's like a two instead of a one. Like, it's just not... I don't know. Like it just, it's like it's just not enough. Um, yeah. I never got a quad. Well, I could have made a quad at a point, which gives them the hit and run, which is make a bonus move action or a bonus disengage action. Then you can make a bonus attack action or a bonus move action, right? So that's the uh, for the blowpipe guys only, essentially. Mm-hmm. And meh, I would not use that for a quad. Like I just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. You know, oh, it's not a universal quad. Yeah, I see now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They, so. it's better than a rampage because it's more flexible than a rampage. But they don't have any big rampagers yep. on the team, right. and yeah, I just, yep. I'm not interested in using rampage on any fighter that costs less than 150 points. Oh yeah, no, absolutely not. Right, and I mean. The thing is, is if you're going to use Rampage, you need to use it for the Pterodon because they're the only ones that have any kind of consistent... Sorry, the Terra Wing. Um, they're the only ones that have any kind of consistent consistent damage output. But the problem is, is if as I was kamikaze these things into other things, they were dying. You know? <laughs> sure, I mean, like, sure. They've only got eight wounds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They only have eight wounds. So, like, they'd hit something, something else would come in and just kill them. I'm like, okay, well, that was fun. You know, so... Um, this is why Look, I, I keep yeah. looking at the Huanchi's claw, and I feel like it should be good because you're getting ten wounds for seventy-five points. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you said it; it doesn't compare favorably, you know, in melee in some situations, but you know, at least compared to the dart pipes, right? I mean, five points yeah. to get two more, uh, yeah. two more range, and then getting the three toughness and three instead of the one toughness is going yeah, to matter in yeah. any kind of. A swarm versus swarm fight. I'm interested to see how things go when uh, when people who have really converted this faction up give it a try. Uh, 
but hearing your <laughs> hearing your impressions <clears throat> definitely makes me cautiously pessimistic about how. So I think out of the box, the Hunters of Huan Chi is an unplayable faction for competitive. Wow. Okay. If you want to play narrative, knock yourself out. You're going to have, I mean, I told, I think I told you, Dan, earlier today, I negative play experienced myself by <laughs> playing this, right? Like okay. it was a, it was like me rolling five, trying to write yeah. full roll fives and sixes to do any kind of damage. And I can't tell you how many times I just needed to hit one fighter, just one fighter to get a victory point against Jason. And I went a sing, like first attack, whiff, second attack, whiff, next fighter, first attack, whiff. Second attack, whiff. Next fighter, first attack, whiff. Second attack, whiff. I used three fighters to try to do one point <laughs> of damage on a marauder. On a marauder. <laughs> you know, it's not like... Wow. So I'm sitting here going like, this is this is just not... Like, it's not fun. Like, I'm just not having fun with it. And I was trying to like... I was trying to like play KG and, you know, because I'm like, this is how this has got to be played, right? Um, to make this playable... You need some allies in this in this badly, mm-hmm. badly, um, and you need some beefy ones that can go in and tank, and um, maybe if you could find some ones that have like some bonus disengage like actions, because like what you would want to do is go in, draw some dudes in, right, and then if you could disengage and let your blowpipes like take pop shots at them as they go like running oh, around sure. and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that's what you would kind of want to do. Like get in, disengage, let them, you know. So, so make your like you really need a tank to come in and and be the focus. So, like maybe having a mirror. No, I mean you can't ally a mirror I don't know what I'm thinking, but like but having like something a big like that. Master. Something, yeah. something with something with range two, so that way you're yes. not messing up with your blowpipe. Yes, for sure. fire. Yep. Right so here. even a yeah, Kurnoth uh, is like Scythe or or Blade Master, like what are, what are, what are, yeah, like maybe the right? maybe the Spear Achelian King, although that's a little expensive, but uh, kind of gives you some other utility too. But yeah, the do Scythe Hunt the, Master might be a hot pick. Do one of the yeah. Thunder Primes have a a staff with a range one of them two? Does yeah, the Grand Stave it does yeah. Uh, you could do the um, Protector Leader right. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. He's I can't remember his name right off, but the Protector the Stormcast Prime. Eternal that uh, Protector Prime, yeah, like he's got a three inch range, right? So, in uh, in some and tough and some wounds, so he would be a threat on the board uh, enough to let your little skinks move around. Now, the nice thing about these guys costing so little is that you could trade a Stormcast Eternal that costs, you know. Um, 170 points for like two to three of these right and still have 10 things on the board i mean that that would still give you 11 units on the board including like one stormcast eternal so you could you could even trade two stormcast eternals and still have nine guys on the board Mm -hmm. you know which is i mean that's that's still a pretty insane amount of of activations that you got going on there yeah now I would build it a little bit differently too. So I built it. Um, I did like half and half with like blowpipes and and melee, right? Mm-hmm. So like the leader is a melee and the horn blower is a blowpipe. So I did like two regular blowpipe guys and two regular melee guys, or however it worked out. And um, I would build it differently. No, like if I knew that I needed allies, um, I would make them all blowpipes. 
and then get some even though you said the blowpipes are the worst they're garbage they're garbage but i would get them because yeah i'd get them because it's like move them around and then and then uh, like hit them so it's like the complete reversal of what everyone has been talking about is the conventional wisdom for building these because everyone is saying or folks are saying avoid the blowpipes at all costs and you're like i'm all in on the blowpipes well, I'm all in knowing that I would be putting in With some the, melee right. in, in that build. In that build. Oh, sure. In, okay. In that build, right? So, like, if if I as I built it out of the box, I think I built it right out of the box, just for that, just for what I was doing. But, um, I mean, and so what I would do then is if I'm going to ally some melee stormcast or something like that, I'll just drop my melee skinks, you know, and mm-hmm. leave the blowpipes in there. So, um. Anyway, that's that's kind of I I would go more in on blowpipes if I had if I knew I was going to be bringing it the the types of of allies I'd be bringing in. So, but these guys have to have allies. They just have to. Like they're just okay. they're just not good otherwise, you know. <laughs> Airwings and hornblowers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Airwings I'm and interested. Yeah, now that I've heard about that, I'm interested in in uh, Two- how it would look like. <laughs> well, and and with I mean triple I will hornblower. Say th- yeah, that's true. I mean, the thing is, too, is it's not hard to get triples, right? It's not even hard to get two triples in a, like, depending on how well you manage your wild dice, it's not hard to get two triples in one round either. Um, if you you kind of want to, you do kind of want a high triple, though. You, you do want, want a high, high triple. Exactly. Triple ones don't help. No. Yeah. No, you want them high. So um, that's a, that's kind of the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't so. think you lean that that into it, but I would. I would not if I was playing this. I would not be ashamed to have a horn blower and a couple terror wings in a, in this list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the box comes with three terror wings, right? Um, and I would take all three of them to be honest with you. Like they're probably the most consistent damage outputter of the entire army. They're they're one inch range, three attacks, strength three, one three damage. So they're kind of similar to the melee. To the melee guys, but they can move a lot more, right? So they can position themselves, I think, a little bit better. Yeah. And they fly. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, this is good list building talk to kind of dovetail into our next topic, which uh we've been it's been the hot topic on a lot of people's minds. Warren Keep, is the perfect guest forward, yeah. Because um you well, we, had we yeah, talked you about it over we it. talked about it with us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um I feel like you can never you can never dive into this topic too often, and and that I mean that it's it's impossible to have done it too often because oh yeah that well is very deep and you can keep it's coming a very back to it. deep like... well absolutely that's the best way to to put it um, yeah so so Justin you were the one who proposed this topic for this week yeah. so what are what are you thinking how do you want to tackle this so one of the things that I want to talk about and I I get this question a lot from some folks that have you know played Warcry or that are getting into it and they're just like well, like where do I start? You know like they okay. they kind of see the compendium that's out there and they see the stats, they see the abilities and they're like, well I kind of want to play a Skaven list or I kind of want to play a Stormcast list. But like you look at those two factions in particular and they're huge. I mean they're pages and pages of just the units, right? Let alone right. the abilities and things like that, that are available so it's like well where do you start like where where do you start kind of coalescing and forming it um one easy way is you start with the models that you have right like that's kind of an obvious way to start 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that that's the optimized way to start, but it is the obvious way to just at least start playing games and seeing how things work and seeing how abilities work and seeing how what combos you can get. You play with the models you have. Like I don't know about you guys, but I have got a um, full Night Hunt army, like you know, like five thousand points of art of Night Hunt or something like that in in Age of Sigmar. And so when they expanded the Night Hunt list in the uh, Tome of Champions the original one, right? The 2020 Toma champions. When they expanded that list um, to many, many more night haunt units, I started playing with a lot of different ones, but that was the ones that I had. And I, you know, I could test them out. Like this is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. Um, so if you're an age of Sigmar player, I think you're in a good spot to start list building and just try it out different things. If you already have models, but let's say you're new to it. Let's say you're brand new and you have never, picked you've never played a gw game before and you're like where do i start like what do you guys think where would where do you start to to list build well there's a lot of there's a lot of different answers to that question depending on who you are so in the the exact question if you were brand new Mm -hmm. my suggestion is rule zero rule of cool or rule one or whatever you want to call it sure rule of cool yeah pick pick what you like Pick what's cool, pick what you'll enjoy painting and go with it. And then pick that faction and then maybe pick up a couple of cool models and then maybe dig deeper into like what's good. But I would focus on that first to kind of get you in the game and kind of keep you in the game. Yeah, I think a lot of people get intimidated when they hear that some things are good and some things are bad. You know, I... I've heard yeah, yeah, no one wants to be stuck with a with a poor faction. Right. right. And yep. I've heard people who have never played a game complain about the meta before. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, get right? <laughs> I get why because no one wants to be painting something. A lot of the people, you know, while you're painting your warband, you're thinking about how they'll play in the game and you're, you know, you're kind of daydreaming about it as you paint it. And no one wants to think that they're playing under these constraints where what they're painting is never going to be good. But I would say, don't worry about the meta for your first warband because you're never going to play against, uh, (laughs) against the meta. Now you will probably play against someone at your local game store whose warband is pretty good. And they may even just be playing a fairly middle of the pack faction, but they're just really good with it. And, Mm -hmm. and you're new and that's going to feel like the most S tier broken meta thing to you. And so that should matter to you more than, uh, than what the actual meta is. So I wouldn't worry, like Warren said, I wouldn't worry too much about what's good and what's not for my first war band. Right. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I like doing in, in for the first warband, the thing that I would tell somebody is go pick up a Warcry box. Mm, and the reason yeah. why is it's the cheapest way to get into uh Warcry. Like if you if you choose an AOS faction, um the, probably the best the best scenario for you is that a start collecting box will have most of the models that you need, right? Yeah. Rather than um just if you pick up a Warcry box, usually those warbands are about a thousand points. Um, you can you can do a lot with them. Um, the only so- exception I would say is mm-hmm. there's a few factions. I'm planning to do a video of this soon, but there's a few factions that can pull it off with one box 
in mm. a way that's a lot like a Warcry box. So, yeah. you know, the classic one is Bone Splitters. Yeah, There's yeah, people who swear by that Savage Orc box. I'm not into it, but but people do love it. <laughs> uh, the Zangor box mm-hmm. has uh, builds four different fighters, and you can mix and match, and you can get up to 1,000 points now. Um, the Dominion halves. So both halves of the Dominion box are pretty reasonably priced online. Uh, and people are still breaking them out and selling them piece yep. by piece. And and you can either get the Cruel Boys half or the Stormcast yep. Eternals half. And both of them set you up pretty well. Yeah, definitely. So I, that's where I would start. And, and um, you know, one of the things that I like to do, uh, I think I said earlier that I'm I'm the kind of guy that will play sort of whatever faction to, like, let other people practice. You know, so Jason, a lot of times, will come out with a filthy ogres list. And I'm playing like Rottmeyer Creed, just straight oh, out of yeah. the box, you know, because it's like, I want to see how these guys do. I want to, I like, I want to stress test these guys yeah. straight out of the box because I know what other allies can do with them. Let me see mm-hmm. what they can do by themselves. And we're always like, that's how we do our evaluations. Jason gives me a filthy list that he does. And I do, uh, you know, I do the Hunters of Huan Chi, you know, and I'm like, these guys uh-huh. suck. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, but that's how that's that's how it is. So um, starting out, definitely. But let's say you get a little bit more experience now, right? Okay. Like you, you've got a couple games under your belt. You're starting to understand that, you know, there's um, there's certain abilities that are better than others. You're starting to understand like what the different profiles mean when you've got four attacks versus two attacks and you know, um, that type of thing. So I'm asking you guys from your experience, where do you start list building from? How, like, if you, if I were to open up the compendium right now and I said, Warren, I want you to play uh, Zinch, Demons of Zinch right now. All right. Like, how do you start? How do you start <laughs> okay, your list? So we're going to, we're going to try to take advantage of this sweet video capability here. If you, okay. Do you mind if I present? Go oh, for absolutely. it. Absolutely. I can't yeah, wait. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, if you guys follow my channel, we got spreadsheets galore, and I'm a big believer in the spreadsheets. So, it's Zinch Demons, you said? Yeah, Zinch Demons. All right, I'm up. I'm, I'm set up for this. So, instead of like high level talking about like, okay, start from the top and work your way down, like mechanically. And if you if you chat with me on Discord, like I'm, I live in that Warband Lists channel on the on the big Warcry Discord. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people have an idea and then, you know, within like three minutes of it here, how about this for a list? Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll show you a little peek behind the scenes at the tools I use. <laughs> I like that. So and while you're setting up, um, one thing that you've mentioned before, Warren, that I really like is uh, just as a formula for people who are maybe one step past beginner if you have three reliable fighters who you know can make an impact, putting one of those in each deployment group and then mm-hmm. filling out the rest mm-hmm. of your warband with just people who can run around the board grabbing the gold and just playing the mission while your three reliable fighters play the opponent uh, can be a really effective way to do it that is very beginner friendly, but scales up to competitive as you get better and better yeah. at the game yeah that's that's good sound list building in general so all right here we go let's try this we're share the spreadsheet all right 
So hopefully people can see actually. So I picked Tzinch Mortals. That's yeah. actually not what I want. We want. So Zenith. if you're listening, if you're listening on the podcast, obviously you got to go to YouTube now. Yes, yeah, <laughs> got to go to you know, get Steve, feeding people to YouTube here. Yeah, we will narrate for our audio yeah. listeners. Yeah. So, so we've got. So here I am. I'm looking. I've sorted. I got the spreadsheet here. I have all the demons of Tzinch. And usually, what I look at, I look at killing power. And wow. <clears throat> so here we get sort largest to smallest. So the killiest guy is the flux master with ritual dagger. The second killiest guy is the exalted flamer to Zinch flux master, iridescent horror pyrocaster. So these are my guys I'm going to be looking at. Okay. So most of them are heroes. I'm also looking okay. What are the good fighters? Okay. Uh, flamer to Zinch does some damage. Okay. And I'm going to use this list and I can also look at efficiency. So take this efficiency calculation sort in reverse order. And these are the most efficient fighters. Now, most of these guys are not super efficient because they have like big range attacks or fast movement or flying mm -hmm. or, or stuff like that. But I use this as an initial start to uh, determine, okay, these are the sort of things that I want to go pick up. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, based on this list, okay, these flamers seem good. Okay. I'm going to go pick up a box of flamers or I'm going to go pick up a box of, I'm going to go pick up a box of blue horrors and brimstones for the, for nice. those, for those tricks. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the first step to figure out, okay, what am I going to pick up and buy? Now the second part is I have another spreadsheet that I use and I don't have to demons in here. I'm sorry, but share screen. Here's my, Warcry list spreadsheet. So this one, I have just a real quick and dirty Google spreadsheet here. So right now I have a Slaves to Darkness tab open. And so these are all of the likely fighters I would that I would consider playing in Slaves to Darkness. So even though there's you know three pages or four pages worth of guys in Slaves to Darkness, yeah, I, I'm not going to consider all of them. Right, I'm not going to consider Chaos Warrior. You know, every version of Chaos Warriors or or whatever. But I have a, a few prime candidates, right? Like Varengard, Dark Oath War Queen, Exalted Deathbringer Ally, uh, Marauders, etc. Right? And it's just simple formulas. You put in the points value here. You put in the quantity here, and then you can play around with the quantities, right? I have five, six Marauders. Okay, let's go to. Uh, here we go. Yep, I have nine models of one thousand points. Well, let's play around with this. Um, let's let's cut two Marauders. Now I've made 880 points. Now I can put a chaos worth two with two weapons in. Now I'm eight models, 1,000 points. I have a slightly different configuration. And I can, mm -hmm. if I know what I have, I can do all these different, I can just play with these numbers very, very quickly and easily and kind of brainstorm. And then after I'm yeah. done, I can look at it and be like, okay, does this sort of meet the, the requirements for a good balanced list, like what Dan was talking about. Do I have a good number of models? Am I using most of my thousand points? Do I have three legitimate threats for each deployment group? And, you know, I don't have models for all of these, but these are all things I've kind of thought about or brainstormed about, like, you know, Stormcast Warriors, Flesh Eater Courts, Skaven, etc. So again, that's just a little peek behind the scenes of what I, of the tools that I use when building lists. Yeah, man. So you are like Mr. Math Hammer here. I know, Dan, you're a big kind of math hammer as well. But, man, those spreadsheets uh, it, it are pretty <laughs> pretty intricate and detailed, and that's awesome. Like, that's really, uh, really, really cool because I think, I think understanding a fighter's efficiency, whether it be like, 
you know, the damage per point for the fighter or even the survivability, understanding the survivability of some of the fighters um, is really good too. So um, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole spreadsheet yeah. you got there. As long as you're picking good fighters that are good in a vacuum and you're kind of following those, those good general guidelines for a list, you'll, you'll have a solid list. I can't guarantee you're going to win a tournament, right? Yeah. And not everyone could be Justin Norton. <laughs> at genius breaking formats but you'll you will do well and so i have i've have had folks they've asked for help on lists and i'll throw them a list and i kind of give them a guideline okay here's how you want to deploy them rely on these tricks and i i do say hey come back and let me know how it works and yeah. sometimes they do come back and they hey yeah i won my first game i'm like that's awesome man nice and so yeah the you know list uh list doctor is uh is a nice pastime <laughs> For sure. So just really quickly before we go, and I know, Dan, you've kind of contributed to this in some of your videos over on your uh, the Salty Sea YouTube channel. Uh, Warren, you kind of mentioned some of the best practices of, of like list building. Can we just kind of run through those real quick for some of our audience members that may like not know what those are right offhand? Oh, I think yeah. you, the three of us kind of understand intrinsically what those are, if not explicitly, but um, some of our listeners may not totally know what they are. So what are some of the best practices of list building that, that you would recommend? I can, I can take this because um, I kind of, I kind of disagree a little bit with, uh, a bit of the premise here, um, okay. or at least, okay. So uh, I see what I think... you're getting at. I'll throw a couple out. So okay. like uh, having at least one, well, maybe one big guy, at least one big guy that can really take hits or what having, let's say one flyer, one flyer or one fast mover for a treasure mission. So you actually have an assigned treasure carrier, like things like that. It's, you can't always get them in every list, but it's right. nice to have. To have things like, to keep know, in mind. You know, I, I, maybe towards, best practice. If I can was stop like you first. Yeah, yeah, yeah cuz I think there's there's only four lists in Warcry. Um is something I've started kind of noodling around is um so one of them is you just take three big guys and you fill it out with little guys. Um okay. sort of the classic uh this is sort of the first thing every new player who wants to jump into competitive i think that that's what they should do and i think the way you choose your big guys and your little guys obviously takes a lot of skill but i think the best way to start doing it is uh is probably something similar to what warren was talking about about like looking at who are the most damage efficient big guys who are the most damage efficient little guys etc mm. uh the in my opinion again this is all like kind of conjecture that I'm starting starting to noodle around in 2.0. In my opinion, the other ones are you play the mechanics, you play the opponent, or you play the missions. And so um, the mechanics are either sort of similar to what Warren's talking about, or the opposite would be to play the mechanics, but look at a look at an ability in mm -hmm. your faction and build around that and build completely around the ability um the other play the mechanics being and i do a lot of lists this way is i look at the most again points efficient fighter in the faction or most points efficient thing you can do and i fill up half the warband with it 
and then I think about what are the weaknesses of that fighter and what does that fighter need for support. And then, so that's kind of like with the hunters of Huan Chi, right? right, right. Like that's like that's what, exactly like how I build. Super, mm -hmm. Yeah, super efficient. Like even the blowpipe guys, because they can move and shoot if they need to, mm -hmm. but they need something to get into combat, right? right? The they need something to take that hit. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And so that's kind of building to the mechanics. Um, mm -hmm. But then building to my opponent, for example, um, a lot of if I'm expecting, if I'm going to a big tournament and I want to win it, I know yes. that I have to, I'm not ever going to win a tournament without either beating a monster list or a list full of Graveguard. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have won tournaments without playing against one, one of those things, right? I mean, the tournaments come in every size. <laughs> but now that we're starting to have tournaments that are up in the 30s of players, um, you know, we've had one at Warhammer World. We're going to have one at Adepticon. Uh, the tournament I'm hosting is probably going to be over 30 players. Mm -hmm. um, now that that's starting to be a thing, I don't think you can win one of those tournaments without beating a monster or beating a bunch of Graveguard. And so I'm not even going by faction. I think that uh, the way that soup works in 2.0 means that faction is becoming less and less important. And so I'm trying to sort of do math hammers about how something lines up against a specific fighter. Mm. And so if I was going to go to a tournament, I would either be playing Graveguard or playing the Chimera, because those are the two best things in the game when you do the first thing I said, which was playing the mechanics. And then if I wasn't going to do that, I would be looking for how can I put two fighters in my list that are going to give a Chimera player headaches or a monster player headaches? And how can I fill up my list with things that can survive clouds of Graveguard? Um, either, either fighting them or trying to outmaneuver them. And that kind of dovetails into the fourth Warcry list that I think exists, which is just play the missions, right? Um, a lot of people, I wasn't the first person to say this, a lot of people were quick to figure out um, that, for example, if you're only playing on the core book, both the treasure missions have a have the dagger as the closest thing to the mm -hmm. treasure. So the most important thing you can do in Warcry list building, according to you know this thought pattern is you start with a fast thing in your dagger mm -hmm. and then you go over and then you kind of look at the the missions you're going to be looking at and say you know uh for example there's a mission hopefully not giving too much away about my tournament but there's a mission where your shield starts off surrounded by four objectives and the other person's shield and that's round one and then everything else comes on round two to, for reinforcements i want to put my most durable like the things i know are going to still be alive when the reinforcements get there i want to put those in my shield if i'm playing mm -hmm. that um and so then i would just search my faction for things that tick these boxes and if the faction i want to play doesn't tick those boxes 
either move to a different faction, that's what I would do, or if I don't want to move to a different faction, I just, you know, make sober decisions about what sacrifices I'm willing to make and what I'm willing to not make. So I think I, I hope that wasn't too like unhinged a rant. No, I see where you're getting at. And it's like, um, if you want to, I mean, you gave, you gave the best advice. If you're, you know, for your, for Justin's original question, for those that are going to go to Adepticon and play the competitive tournament on Thursday, that those are the rules you would need to follow. I think, mm-hmm. I think what I, <clears throat> I think I give solid advice to kind of get you like over the hump. If you're new, mm-hmm. like I, th- I feel like I build solid lists. I don't feel like I'm going to build the next tournament winner, but I think what the things that you're thinking about, you know, the considerations of it. Yes. You have a very narrow selection of fighters in, in factions to choose from. If you want to compete against those against Chimera and Graveguard, and the whole planning of the whole planning, you know, if you know the missions planning out ahead of time, like, yeah, put, you know, have a plan for this for this deployment or have a plan for this mission that's you're right on the one the one achilles heel of planning for hey how can i say make sure that i can beat a chimera and be graveguard is you can make some lists that uh don't be beat much else yeah. uh, so <laughs> you right, yeah, talked about that you, today you right go up against you yeah. go up against Vindic- vindicator spam or yeah yeah something like spam, that or and they're or just like st- i have no idea yeah, even Stormcast, I've been finding, are really good against some of the best stuff in the game. But you can... Stormcast are the most vulnerable to one random dice roll from your opponent. Because you can get a demonet or like any yeah. random thing from Daughters of Cain. Or, and they just roll through... Roll. Yeah, you know, spike a die roll, deal deal eighteen, or deal yep. spike a die roll and deal sixteen. Anything with any cheap thing guy. with four on crits, any one four crit mm-hmm. profile, uh, Stormcast can just all of a sudden it's round two and you've lost. Like you some only people, lost one Stormcast, yeah. but you know you can't do anything. Some because... people, some people hate that about the game. I think it's a feature. The swingy yeah. crits, I think, is a feature. I love it. Oh, I it, do too. It, I it makes it, it keeps things exciting. But a, I other love people it. Will I disagree. W- I wish fewer fighters had it. I would never want there to be none, or even for it yeah. to be rare. Um, but I yeah. do wish fewer fighters had it, or at least more fighters were more. Uh, or maybe more like more more one three profiles and fewer one fours and one fives. Sure, the one five is the one I hate. I hate one fives, <laughs> and I hate two sixes too. One of the one of the things that um, we had talked about today, Dan, when I was throwing out my Dark Oath list to you, is um, you know you're talking about building a, an anti Chimera one, and I told I told you that uh, Jason had built an Ogre's list around a uh, a Tyrant and a Gut Lord. Now, those that are not familiar with the Gut Lord, he's beefy with like 35 wounds or something like that, and maybe 38, and um, his damage profile, he's like strength five, and his damage profile is five ten. Yeah. Right? So like he hits Those gut you lords and are real. It is a Mac truck that comes. Now, the, one of the things that you said there is like, yeah, that's great. The tyrant and the gut lord coming at a chimera could easily take that thing down. But what happens when you've got a swarm of uh plague bearers behind it that they just can't chew through because they don't have 
you know, the number of people to deal with the extra spam that's happening because yeah. they're focused on killing a Camaro. So those are yeah. definitely things you got to keep in mind too, right? Like how do you, how do you fight against, you know, you take that ogres list that has really like few models, really beefy can take down something and then go against, um, uh, a, a spam list of like, well, I mean, Graveguard's a good example of that too. Right. So, and the thing that's giving me nightmares right now, I mean, I've, I've got my Chimera. If I can't figure out anything that beats it, I will play it. But um, the thing that's giving me nightmares is I can't figure out how to make something that'll beat, say, my Nurgle Chimera list mm. that doesn't just turn around and look really embarrassing against, say, Spire Tyrant's Chimera. Because those mm. are completely different warbands, even though it's really easy to say, oh, that's a Chimera list, they're all the right. same. The way Chimeras attack you inspire Tyrants when they just are uh, sort of supported by Netters or is completely different than the way the Chimera is attacking you in Justin Orton's list, where um, you can't focus on the Chimera because you've just got a, a very guard and a spirit in just, your face yeah it's it's in your face it's stopping you from hitting the chimera it's um taking whatever your anti chim like if you wanted to shoot the chimera you can't do that because the sphinx or the varen guard are going to close with the shooter immediately and and you're not going to be able to do that verse but like the things you could do to outmaneuver or to like blunt that list's ability um like say in objective missions, mm -hmm. that's not going to work against uh, plague bearer chimeras, right? Because all of a sudden your hope of um, throwing so much chaff in front of everything that they can't possibly chew through it all, and then you bring down the chimera via activations and weight of numbers. Well, Nurgle can just completely, you know, completely shrug that off um, because they'll, you know wait move wait move with these 50 mm -hmm. point plague bearers there's nothing you can do and i just can't figure out any sort of list that will beat two of those three approaches mm -hmm. um so that's the assignment for other folks i'll i'll just let you know that i haven't figured out something that can beat two of those three much less uh yeah. two of those three and also graveguard well, um, I very much appreciate both of your guys' perspective and how you approach list building. Um, I think I feel like it's uh, pretty scientific the way that you guys go about it. I mean, you've broken down like different ways. I mean, especially you, Warren, like, with your spreadsheets, it's very scientific, right? Like, and and kind of doing that, which is just amazing. Um, I think I take a bit of a more of artistic approach. <laughs> like, I I don't know sure. that I um I don't know that I um like I have like you know direct numbers and math hammer and stuff like that in front of me where I end up starting, <clears throat> believe it or not, like let's say I took my zinch, right? We'll take the demons of zinch. The first thing I go to is I look at the abilities. That's the first thing I look at mm -hmm. and I say, okay, what do these guys need? Do they need doubles a lot? Do they need triples a lot? Like it's, what yep. is, I, I ask, what it's is their quad? I, I look at their quad and I always ask, is it better than rampage? Right. <laughs> sure. And, I mean, that's the first question I ask with their quad. Um, I don't build lists around quads because I think we have all said it's unreliable. Like it's great when you can get it, but um, yeah. you can't plan for it, obviously. But I look at it, right? That's the first thing I look at. And then I say, okay, this 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 needs triples. This needs doubles. 
if the faction needs more doubles and triples, I look and say, okay, how do I maximize these doubles? If there's a lot more triples, I have to say, which one of these do I need mm -hmm. to focus on? <clears throat> yep. Because you can't reliably use a lot of triples in yep. max of yep, typically, yep. Yep, so, typically max of one triple hungry guy. Yeah, so so that's why I say is I say okay, like I need to narrow down and say I want that one triple. I think that's great to build the list around, and maybe here's some doubles. So then I'll look at those faction rune marks, or not faction rune marks, but the ability rune marks, and then I'll go look at the fighters, right? And I say okay, these two fighters can do that. These three can do that. How can I build a list that maximizes what the fighters give me with the abilities that I want to play with? So mine's very much like an ability centered list building. In the sense, because I, I think that abilities can change the game, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than just damage. Um, so, like, one that, of the, that, one of, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That Gloom Spike gets sort of destruction soup war band that uh, mm -hmm. is kind of a known quantity, has done well at a lot of different tournaments. A lot of people play it. I think it's basically built the way you just described, yeah. um, in terms of kind of a, a symphony of different list or different abilities that can kind of go off and be really effective in game at any given time and when the round starts you have no idea which one you should be playing around mm -hmm. um yeah i think that that's absolutely that style of list and that's how i um built the stormcast list that yeah, um, i was i was just you know? gonna say that it sounded yeah. exactly how you built it yeah sure. because you know i looked at the i kind of looked at the abilities um and then the profiles especially with the warrior chamber right that double that's a bonus to move was like that is the one that i need to be pounding on all the time because all these stormcasts mm -hmm. have an abil move ability of three so I need, I need them to be able to scoot when they need scoot you know and so looking at that and saying like okay well you know if i had a paladin with star soul mace if they were to get a quad this is an amazing one but it's not going to be my end all be all. And then, um, you know, kind of just jiggering the list around, around the ability. So that's where I always start. I always start abilities first. That's, that's the first thing I look at um, when I'm, when I'm looking at it. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, when I'm playing, even the hunters of Huanchi, like the first thing I did was like, sit down and study this card and say like, okay, like which of these fighters do I need to focus on as being my, my strike like my strikers which one are like the the gonna have to be the ones that just kind of run around and of course that's a little mission dependent depending on what you get but um knowing the abilities um i was gonna say the other thing too is uh i intentionally left uh put in the lord relictor in my stormcast list because i like and this is kind of my play style right i like the ability to be able to reach out and touch somebody and finish somebody off so that somebody has mm -hmm. a movement instead of a disengage, you know, and I like being able to roll six dice on two ups and have that person take that damage. And it's just enough to kill that one chaff model that just won't die. Or it's just enough to put that one over the edge so that the next attack action will kill that one. And then that, that person can then move again. Right. So, um, but that's the ability that I kind of looked at. And I've kind of obviously learned my play style a little bit, having played Warcry for a little bit. And I think that that's kind of my final point with this is like, you got to just play a little bit too and try different things in list building oh, yeah. to learn <laughs> what your play style is. Because I know that there are some abilities that I look at, and I'm like, nope, because that's just not how I play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the one where it's like, choose this fighter and on a dice roll, 
four to five is one damage, and a six is what the value that I'm like, nope, like too unreliable for me. Like I need more consistency. Um, and some people may like that one, and that's okay. If that's what you like, like do it. But for me, I'm like that ability is not a thing. So if I see a bunch of those abilities, I'm like, mm, I don't know that I like this faction. You know, I don't know that I don't know that I want to do that one. Um, so anyway, I, that's that's kind of my approach. A little no, bit. that that's a really good point. You can't you can't overemphasize that enough. Like especially if you're going to be playing competitive at Adepticon. Yeah, you have to you know test it out and see how it works, right? Because I mean, we can I can have a million spreadsheets and theory craft all the stuff, right? But yeah. you actually learn by playing. Okay, like, hey, this this looks good on paper, but didn't necessarily play out that way in game. Or you might realize, okay, yep, yeah. uh, you know this model was good, but it's a little bit glassy for my for my needs. I need to play a, more, a little more carefully with it, or replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think Dan, um, we talked about when we were talking about the um, Chaos Legionnaires. I told you I was like, these guys just don't feel like they can get to where they need to be. Remember I said, I was like, I don't know what it is. I just can't get them to where they need to be when they need to be there. And on paper, they should have been just fine on paper. But I just like in gameplay, like, and maybe it was my style of play with them too. Like, I just didn't feel like I could get them to do what I needed them to do. And you don't know that till you kind of test it, right? Yeah. And there's a funny, there's a funny feeling like I've gotten with Stormcast Thunderstrike where my vindictors who are the four inch move two inch reach uh mm-hmm. with the shield i feel like they're the ultimate utility piece that's just running around the board and covering their allies and it's like four inches is not fast you know two inch right. range is is good and that is real reach but uh it's not like these are you know these six inch move skaven that are running around the board or these 10 inch flyers right they're actually very yeah. slow um sort of based on what Stormcast needs, uh, they actually really do play a great utility role um, at kind of covering for each other and, and doing all of all of the utility stuff um, that you wouldn't necessarily see on paper until you had played the whole Warband a couple times to see kind of how the pieces fit together. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really big thing for uh, what, what Warren was talking about with kind of starting with a spreadsheet, I think is really mm-hmm. important because one, the most points efficient things are usually going to be the easiest things to then find out what idiosyncrasies are there that you can support them with to make them good. Yeah. Um, so starting with a good core is really helpful there. Yeah. And, and likewise, you know, folks, they don't want to play, they don't want to play a bad faction. Well, you do a little more research and you figure out, okay, once I have a faction, okay, what are the good models and the and the maybe not so good models in this faction? And there's some bad factions with a couple good models to where you can make great lists with that faction. I think mm-hmm. uh, Lumineth Realm Lords is, I think, the best example that comes to mind with this, where they have two really good models and you can make incredible lists with just those two models. Uh, they have a ton of models in that faction and Almost yeah. all of them are terrible, unplayable <laughs> garbage. But they've got two really good ones. Talking about when, like, when someone discovered Wardens? Yeah, Wardens Warden and uh, Stone Guard, or uh, the stone, yeah. the Hammer Stone Cow people. Uh, both of those are really, really good. And the rest of the models, not so much. But right. if you have a cheap leader and a fast ally and a 
just those two models, you're doing great, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, hopefully uh, our audience uh, got some got some tips and tricks that they might be able to use. Uh, Warren, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them come calling for uh, some of those spreadsheets that you have. You know, <laughs> it's a beautiful spreadsheet. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, hopefully this will help you. And if you guys have questions about list building or anything like that, you can come to the Tabletop and Beyond Discord chat. We've got a Warcry dedicated Warcry channel where we can help you list build. You can also come to the Warcry Discord channel as well, where there's uh, even more Warcry players in there willing to give you their opinions. Now, I will uh, basically put the disclaimer that not all opinions are equal. And so you sometimes <laughs> have to take a grain of salt, very, right? Very Include, especially mine, especially my own. Right, I might have a, a love for uh, certain models that uh, may not be good, but I think that's you kind of say all that. But too. your love for certain bad models leads you to discover the kind of diamonds in the rough. Sometimes, I mean, you know, people were pretty skeptical about that protector spam list that that's you did true. really I, well with. I'm a believer. You know? This I got a lot of Stormcast warrior dudes sitting waiting to get primed, <laughs> and I, I have more. I have more coming on the way, and I blame you, Justin. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, hopefully this helped. And again, you know, one of the best things that you can do is just ask for help. If you feel stuck in terms of like, you know, building your list, go ask for some help. Like part of the best, uh, one of the best parts of this game is the community that plays it. In my opinion, like um, it's one of the most friendly game communities. I feel like that I've played. I mean, we'll go and beat each other up relentlessly in these tournaments and have some really sweaty games, but we all love it and laugh about it at the end and, you know, like give each other points and tips and tricks and, you know, like it's just, it's a great community and, and, and we love it. So um, one last thing that I'll say before we go uh, today, we officially rolled out the tabletop and beyond Patreon account. So it is live. We'll put that, um, we'll put that out in the, uh, in the comments and on social media and if you feel like you enjoy the content here and you want to see more of it, um, we would very much appreciate your support. And um, I know that everybody pretty much has a Patreon account, but um, we're trying to expand I, our <laughs> offerings and 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 do some do some things that uh, are a little bit wider. So, um, like don't. I said, if you feel <laughs> yeah, we if don't. you feel good a little to, generous, good, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good to no, good to see you, good to see you cashing in. Yeah. yeah, well, we're trying, and it's, it's really it's to pay for lights, it's to pay for software, it's to pay for, you I'm, know. I'm realizing a lot of that. I'm, I'm, I fund everything myself, and I'm like, okay, well, if I go get this software, okay, now there's a subscription for it, and mm -hmm. money's money's not an issue, but it would be kind of nice to have it defrayed. Yeah. But, yeah. I, so, but we're doing this because we love it, right? We're not doing this to try to make a million dollars off of this, and no, stuff no, like no, that. No, none of us are going to retire off of this. <laughs> no, uh, but we do want to bring out, you know, more content, new content and things that people enjoy. So um, that is part of the reason why we decided to opt for a Patreon account. And again, if you support the channel and, and you and you want to support us, we, we appreciate everything that that you're given. And uh, we appreciate our audience and listeners. So without without you guys, we're just, you know, speaking into the wind now. So. Um, but yeah, we thank we thank everybody for listening. Uh, any parting words, Dan or Warren, before we uh, head out tonight? I think we covered every single aspect of list building we that could ever be oh. covered. 
<laughs> I mean, the well's dry now, right? Yeah, the well's dry now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Dan and Warren, thank you for coming on the show and talking with us tonight. It's great to have you, Warren, especially this first time on the show. No, it's an honor. Thanks. Yeah, very good. Very good. All right, everybody. Well, you have a great night and uh, keep the dice rolling.